This is the Rory Gallifrey Podcast for the 31st of December 2019. I'm joined by my thoroughly remote co-host, Jon. Welcome, Jon. Stay remote from you from the rest of my life. I mean, if, if there's anything I learned from this uh, great interview with Rodolphe is that I should keep my distance from you. I think that's absolutely <laughs> perfectly sensible. <laughs> I would recommend the same. So, yep, the, the third and final part of our trilogy with uh, Rodolphe. And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. So, when we're talking about um, remote employment and we're talking about this shared common language, is there is there anything that you think can really help that be uh, more consistent, you know, make that feel stronger across across a team across an organization is there is there is there something that really yeah you know, accelerates that or makes that significantly more impactful to have coherent teams uh in, in with international people you mean or yeah so yeah for me the two things are transparency and empathy transparency is meaning for instance, we don't have a bunch of people that are overpaid in San Francisco and a bunch of people that are paid dime on a dollar somewhere else just because we need the extra hand. That feels like outsourcing <laughs> and not remote work. Uh, and then empathy means, okay, so most of the team is in the US or, or in the UK, for instance. We're going to have you travel and meet us uh, on a quarterly basis, for instance. So thinking about having someone travel and thinking through the entire thing, because asking someone to travel is asking someone to leave their family or spouse behind, potentially with kids, for a week at a time. So thinking about how much of a commitment you're asking people to make in their personal life versus uh, how much face time you want to give them with the team is something very, very interesting. Because you do want people to meet, but you've got to be mindful of having people sitting on plane at all times, which defeats the purpose of remote work. Because then you're commuting by plane, but you're still commuting. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's yeah, a usually like offside in in Hawaii sounds very nice, but then when you tell your spouse, "Well, I'm going to Hawaii for ten days," uh, first you're not going, and second, <laughs> you keep, will you mind the kids for that long? That's very, very tricky. Like just thinking other. So, can you create a stipend so that the team member that is uh, for instance, unwell to travel to a retreat, can still have a meal on the company? Can you create a stipend for the significant other to have someone watch over the kids if you're asking their better half to be away for a duration of time? So small decisions matter to have a coherent group saying, I care about you too. If you zoom out, yeah. same goes for having stocks within the company. You can be outside of the US and still have stock option in a company or profit sharing or 401k. But that's very tricky to put in place. So how do you make it so that international employees are not second-class citizens is a top-of-mind question for most uh, COOs and CFOs at Remote Startup, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I really like that uh, approach, especially the the empathy side of things. I, I think that's definitely something that uh, needs to needs to really resonate with people that are going down this uh this remote employee and you know remote management kind of side of things. So when we're when we're sort of uh, and I'm pretty sure this is one of those questions that's going to be 
the answer is there's a million different options. But what <laughs> what should a remote office look like? You know, what's what what do you see people's kind of remote offices? Uh, do they fall into a couple of different categories? Um, yeah, remote offices. I feel I've seen many different ones, but I feel like the the main thread across them all is folks like to have a quiet and dedicated space. Um, and that's a bit tricky because if you're working in an office for the longest time and you have an home office, then the home office has been dedicated to you playing, tinkering, doing open source or projects. So you're effectively getting your own personal space. You're giving it to the company you've been working for because now it's work. It's not only enjoyment anymore. <laughs> so the couple of things I find is, you know, get yourself fiber optic connection, get yourself a quiet environment. <laughs> Um, the crazy important thing, and I just started to walk the talk myself, is if you're happy enough to spend, you know, uh, $2,000 on a computer, it's going to last you, say, two years. Why don't you spend $1,000 buying a good chair and a good desk that's going to last you 15 yes. years? You know, you're going to see the, uh, the back doctor so often if you don't have the proper setup. So don't skim on the chair, don't skim on the desk, especially if you're serious about working tech remotely for the next 25 years. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, couldn't, I, I couldn't agree more, especially on the chair. Um, the, 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 one, the one thing that you didn't mention, which I'm, I'm also curious around, is, is the, the standing desk, which, which is the, another <laughs> sort of great fad of both the, the home worker and the office worker alike. But uh, do, you, do, you see, do you see that uh, as often or, or not so much? I do see it from time to time. And uh, I'm, I'm, I've been teaming up myself with one of those companies that do chairs and, and set up desks. So <laughs> I've started using one last week. So that, that's my experience mm -hmm. so far. I had one at work for the longest time working in an office. And I think it's nice. I think it's probably not life changing in a way that you can have a long and life, happy life just working for the highest shelves, but certainly <laughs> having a nice setup is enjoyable. So if you can splurge and ask, a few extra hundred dollar quids. I think that's nice, but I do feel like for the most part, we're going to be sitting. So <laughs> awesome, know, but I'm, not yeah. hundred percent necessary. I would say. Uh, one thing I'd like to add to the uh, remote working office is that uh, in, this happened in my the last two companies I've worked for, uh, that the company should actually, I'm going to use the word force uh, their employees to set up a decent uh, work environment at home by giving them a budget for that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the previous company I worked for had a, a rule where you had every month you got X amount of you uh, X amount of money for your home office. So you kind of could yeah. save it up to buy things. Uh, current uh, company, just when you start as a new employee, as a, as, as a distributed employee, you get this amount of uh, dollars to buy a desk, a chair, and an audio equipment because you do a lot of uh, voice calls. Mm -hmm. And just having that freedom, and I will admit that I spend more than the budget <laughs> <laughs> because I want some nice things, but it yeah, does yeah. give you the mindset that this is something that is accepted to do, and you can also tell your wife. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys know the WAF factor, the wife acceptancy factor. When I spend that $2,000 on the computer, that's hard enough, <laughs> but spending more money on a good chair, that's like, hey, what do I get? <laughs> but no, the company is sponsoring me, so this is something, it makes it acceptable. It makes it something that just happens, and when I look around at the colleagues, across the company, uh, it's very appreciated that it's just a rule of the company. You join it, this is your budget, spend it. 
I absolutely love that. I mean, some company will give you or lease you a company car for $30,000. Why can't you give like two and a half to $3,000 for a desk and yep. good setup? Uh, so some people wait until your trial period is over to just to make sure that you'll be with the company for duration of time. Other give you from the get-go. Um, many companies give you a stipend. So if you're more of a WeWork or a Starbucks or any local equivalent that's better uh, kind of person, you can get to splurge on a monthly basis yeah. because you could be flexible as well. But end of the day, I couldn't agree more. Like you need a setup where you feel comfortable and be able to say, well, that's my work setup. So that that's really important. And that's once again a budget line where you should not be scheming as an employer and saying, well, awesome, I'm getting a remote worker. I don't have to get a desk in the office. Because it makes a difference. It does make a difference. You feel more integrated when you work in a, in a great setup. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And uh, just to, just to re-echo something, you know, spend a decent amount of money on a chair. You're going to be there for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. So when when an employer is looking at starting up uh, a distributed company, what are what are some of the things? Um, you know, if if there's something that we haven't already covered, what are some of the things that they should keep in mind? Um, hmm, that's a good one. That's a good one. I feel like people don't spend enough time on job description. Um, Oftentimes, the more information you put out about your mission, about what you want from a candidate, about what's being offered by you as a company, the better applicant, the more targeted applicants you're going to get. Uh, I've been lucky to work with hundreds of startups hiring a remote worker, and that's a consistent feedback. The quality of a career page, quality of the story being told, the quality of information you put out is going to bring you better and more targeted candidates. So I'd really advise to spend more time thinking about what you need. Uh, it's a great book book called Who, The Hiring Method, Who as a, uh, who is that person? Um, and that's a great book that can help you hone your job description if you're not quite sure. Uh, we also have a free template that we share quite often there. Um, so that's the first thing. And what else could we advise? There are tons of advice on the internet and i think it's a bit similar starting remotely it's a bit similar to starting a company make sure you get advice from people that are at similar stages than what you are at if you have an office and you want to get a couple of remote worker get advice from people in the same setup it's a different ball game than someone who's entirely remote and the other way around so just just trying to find advice that fit your personal situation is, is another thing um and if you're not sure, you can drop me an email and I'm happy to, uh, to share thoughts for sure. For we'll sure. have your contact That's details nice. in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. So you, you, you kind of seamlessly led us into the, the next real topic, which is you know, recruiting uh, you know, a remote employee or you know, starting a remote company. Um, what, what, does, what does a good job description look like beyond you know, just telling the story and, uh, and, and saying that you only need to wear a shirt from the waist up and, and things, things like that. White you socks know, and sandals. What, what, yeah, no, definitely <laughs> not socks and sandals. Um, what, what, what do you look for um, in a job description or what should people look for in a job description if they're looking at um, remote jobs and what should employers make sure they emphasize in, in their job descriptions? Sounds good. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very big one. So first, you're going to have your location requirement. 
you may or may not have um, working hours, you may or may not have location requirement, but that's huge because a job description for a remote job, if shared properly to job boards, is going to give you a thousand applicants. So you'd rather find, you know, those 20 top applicants that really are into what you're saying than just a thousand blind applicants. So make sure you get a location requirement very clear and very centered. Then there are a few categories that you want to be highlighting, such as company description, of course, what is it that you do together with your mission? And that's the about us paragraph, for instance. Something I like to say is as a member of the project, for instance, team, your goal is to, and then you go into bullet points. So you're very, very um, explicit on the what you see and what you is what you get part of the description so that the person can sort of see from the get-go what's going to be expected of them. Um, mm-hmm. I really like sharing benefits as well. Of course, that's always nice. Uh, there's an intense demand for talent. So knowing that the salary is going to be competitive, whether insurance, vacation, and so on and so forth is included is good. And then at the bare minimum, I'll have a paragraph on uh, getting to know you a little bit better. So if there's a link towards a podcast, a video, an article, a medium post, let people do their homework by sharing as much information you can about yourselves. Last but not least, if you're genuine about this, diversity and inclusion is always a nice thing to include. How do you think about diversity? Do you invite diverse profile to apply to your company? That's always very nice and appreciated to put that in the bottom section. Then there are tons of optional sections, but that's the bare bone of what I think your ad should look like or, or your job offer. Yeah, mm. oh, that's really that's really useful. Now, one of the the, the, the the strange things that I've actually had troubles with is when I, a lot of companies, their remote or distributed employees, their location is set to global or something like that. Mm-hmm. When I go online to search for a job or career or see what a, what a certain company is hiring, you always have to select your job role type <laughs> and location. So I put in the Netherlands and all of those remote jobs don't show up. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. And over the fa- last five years doing this, the number one request I've had from candidates is, please, please tell me whether I'm good fit or not geographically or time-wise for this ad mm. and with this offer. Yeah. So you've got to put it front and center. Uh, you know, it, it's nice to set the right expectation for this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's, that's a really good point, actually. Just because a job is remote, that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't some sort of working time window expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're paired up, I mean, you know, in, in my world of solutions engineering, you know, you're often paired up with a number of people in a sales team. You know, yes, you can absolutely be remote, but, you know, you need to be somewhat aligned with the with those uh, the the people in the sales team and their working hours because you know that's likely to be also the customers working hours and they're the people that you need to be talking to so you know remote doesn't necessarily mean that you can be based anywhere around the world mm-hmm. and i think that's one thing that organizations need to be clear about when they're yeah. putting sort of remote jobs yeah. out they're, what are the expectations in terms of maybe it's time zone maybe it maybe country is important if the, is. if the location or city is not as important so yeah, things no. like that need to be clearer now the thing that i always miss in these things is in what country will my contract be uh, set up 
What kind of legislation <laughs> will be applied? What kind of social security mm. will I receive? That's yeah. very important. I mean, if I'm going to change jobs, I, I'm supporting a family. I have a lifestyle I want to support. I need to make sure that that will still be possible. And if I have no clue, I mean, at least put in there that this is going to be under Dutch law or UK law or whatever. Yeah. Mm. So that that's an, that's an important piece of information. If it's not about doing what you want to do or if it's an interesting company or they're, they're sexy or not. But this is very basic information that's always missing that's right I can tell. The, the, yeah and the one i would add to that is you know will you be uh will you be a direct employee or will you be a contractor <laughs> you know that that's that's a the one that pops up a lot of times that's a big one for sure benefits are different how you treat it tax wise like it's mm-hmm. it's very big difference and mm-hmm. employees and applicants active and passive are yearning to get that amount of details yeah, no, I think that that's really, really good. So let's say, uh, you know, uh, someone finds uh, a job that looks like it's a good fit for them and they, they go ahead and they apply. Um, on the employer's side, you know, what are some of the things that people should should look for? How, how do you um, how do you identify a good a good remote working candidate? What, what are some of the things you could use to identify things that, that people who might be a good fit for a remote role? Sure. So I feel like every company will have their playbook. There are a couple of elements that do pop up all the time. The first mm. one is communication skills. Um, doesn't matter what ca- which country you're from or what languages you speak, you're going to have a common language to run your company. And I've seen very successful French or Spanish or German speaking companies that do not have English as their main language. But Mm -hmm. you've got to pay very close attention to how the person is going to express themselves both in writing and through the uh, interviews because you want to have the clearest communicator you can. If things go well, you need to hear about it as an employer. If things don't go too well, you really need to hear about it. So you want to pay attention to how clearly the person can get their message across. And oftentimes through the writing, you also can sense, and through the interviews, the empathy they may have with the situation too. So I feel like soft skills is really something you want to be watching out for. The other mm-hmm. part that I think is important too is have what have you been doing before as in projects? I really like seeing portfolios. I really like seeing a project the person's been working on before. In other words, please show me, yeah. don't just tell me. Show them. So they had that say at Google that said, um, in God we trust, everybody else bring data. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's just probably been, you know, devoid from other quotes. But in other words, show me your portfolio. Tell me what you've been working on before. And interestingly enough, the most thorough company I know that are hiring right now, they have a mandatory step just before extending an offer, which is, can you put us in touch with people that have managed you before and they can act as reference goals? Mm-hmm. That's a tricky thing. That's a big ask. Often it's only mm-hmm. asked at the very end of the funnel towards the later steps. But if you're hiring someone and if you're going to pay them to be a manager, uh, an executive, you're going to pay them six figures, you do want to know how they've been working in teams before because that's what they're effectively going to be paying them for. So. To recap, communication skills, number one, seeing their project, GitHub, uh, Dribble, uh, GitLab. I want to see what's been happening before. And number three, if it's a key hire or someone you project yourself working, like 
if it's very, very special, consider checking references and actually calling those people or mm-hmm. at very least having email conversation with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this is actually something that triggered me here because communication skills is something that when you're hiring for a customer-facing position, communication skills are very important. If you're hiring a programmer who's going to be sitting in his cubicle, I'm I'm typecasting here, uh, sitting in his cubicle, doing his own thing, uh, traditionally communication skills weren't that important. If you're going to work remote... It doesn't matter yep. what you're going to be doing. You need to have good social skills or you just won't be able to flower in the environment, right? That's right. You've got to play nicely with others because mm-hmm. the, the unspoken thing here that doesn't get enough discussion, I think, is that if you start having people that are bringing a tricky atmosphere to the team or it's not working out so well, uh, the online interaction, the online morale is a very fragile thing. So you really have to work out for people that are going to be, and you never know in advance, 100% for sure, but you've got to watch out for uh, communication skill and the fact that a person can express themselves in a way that's compatible with the team. And it's further than just a team of remote workers, because one thing when you have to realize, I think, is the moment you have remote workers somewhere, the rest of the team also needs a communication skill to be able to interact with them. So you also have to look at your backlog of hires, I guess, <laughs> to make sure that's that there true. will be a synergy in there as well. That's very true. So, you know, you 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 identify a candidate, or you you find a good job. You go into uh, you go into things, and you you sort of uh, begin that whole interview process. You know, how how do you interview a remote candidate? Is it is it the same as as the uh, the ordinary interview process? Are there things that uh, you would expect to be different? What, what does that look like? It depends company by company, but I feel it's, it's once you get started the process, it's very similar in a way that after time you'll have that first screening call carried out by operational HR to get to know the person. And uh, often you get that person in touch with a future colleagues potentially or f- and or future manager. So I feel like once you get to identify talented candidates and you get to see how they communicate, you have a, a hold on their project as well, you can start interacting with them in a fairly like in a fairly similar way, but the difference is you need to be oh well, yeah the one difference is you need to be very thorough, as in following a methodology to try to avoid falling into bias as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So again, that book called Who uh, about hiring is very good about this. It helps you to create a job description, job requirements, and then ask question towards that. It helps you to avoid falling into the uh, you know. The uh, you're like me, I want to hire you because I feel comfortable. That That's some people fall into when they just interview to check on skills. So you've got to be transparent and sharing documents among the team with the question that each and every person are going to be asking to avoid just having chit chat, but just making sure the person is actually the best person for the job and not only the person that looks like you and makes you comfortable from the get-go, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you, you touch on something I think is really quite interesting, which is uh, hiring people just like you. And this isn't specific to to remote, uh, you know, recruitment or anything. It's it's just a general kind of principle. But one of the one of the things uh, that we certainly have here at Grafana Labs is trying not just to hire people that match the culture that we already have, but trying to make sure. You're recruiting people 
that are that will add to that culture will improve the culture will improve the the company as a whole so you know having a bunch of carbon copy clones of of existing people that you've got is actually not terribly healthy I absolutely love that distinction. And it feels like graduating from culture fit to cultural contribution, whereby you mm, welcome yep, people yep. that think differently, that are different, and, and that will have you know great benefits as well. So come as you are, I think is a great way to look at it because mm-hmm. definitely yeah. you get more viewpoint there. Yeah. That's a tricky thing to do, of course, because you still yeah. need to have some kind of coherent vision as well. Yeah. That's a yeah. tight And it rope. needs to be, yeah, and it needs to be something that is, it is collaborative. It is. It is positive. It it should mesh, but it just sort of yeah. like a a jigsaw puzzle that starts with one piece in the middle and continues to grow out, rather than a stack of individual pieces that are identical, sort of yeah. coming up out of the board. And also, don't go overboard because there's also you've had the Dilbert reference. I have one too. They're hardly contrarian <laughs> at a certain point. The guy that just <laughs> does everything just the opposite the way yeah. the company does it. That's not the yeah. way to go either, right? <laughs> That's yeah, true. very much so. And very much so. It's diversity, yes, but not a good one. <laughs> interesting, those things tend to happen in cycles as well. Like companies from 1 to 10 people, 10 to 30, 30 to 50. And some are very intentional about diversity from the get-go, which is great. And others, we like, like realize it later on and tend to catch up as well. So it's always interesting when you talk about diversity and inclusion because it is and should be top of mind. Uh, it's interesting to see it's it's um, defined differently whether you talk with American companies or, or non-American companies. Um, you know, like I've talked to, to a person that said, well, their definition of diversity was that they had employees from 30 different countries and they have uh, a gender balance as well. So they had a different definition of diversity than what is Trishy done and said in American companies as well, which is also interesting because the more teams you meet, You'll see different sizes, different priorities, and different definition of diversity as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's also a big, a big point of uh, show don't tell here because I worked for a company, I'm not going to say which one, that was very big on promoting diversity and gender balance and stuff like that. And all of those messaging came from an HR department that was 95% one sex. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it's kind it's of surfies, <laughs> yeah. I hear you. <laughs> So we've kind of, we've had a a couple of anecdotes kind of sprinkled throughout our discussion so far, but, um, what's, uh, what's the best remote working story that you've, you've ever heard, uh, Rodolf? The best remote working stories. I feel like, like I, I keep getting emails from folks who are looking for a remote job at, uh, remote startups or remote companies. And then finally, sometimes they, they, when, when they land it, they've nice enough to follow up and share the story. And I feel like what gets me most inspired is to get to read emails from folks who said, I used to spend two hours a day commuting cross town in my car, and now I can spend my time uh, picking up my kids at school and spending more time with my family. And I can tell you a lot of travel anecdotes about sunny places and awesome, you know, traveling and and taking planes to crazy places but overall the fact that a lot of people get to regain time spent with family and don't have to get this dull time of just commuting across town is the thing that moves me most is is saying i got to spend more time my parents because now i don't have to show up on friday night and leave on sunday night i can spend a 
Wednesday afternoon nearby my parents that live in a town two hour drive from me. That is really, really inspiring to me. That's fantastic. That's really good. Um, and of course, because there's a, uh, there's a flip side to every coin, what's the worst remote working story you've ever heard? Um, I feel like sometimes, sometimes people don't realize how it's going to be. So it's great to try it. But again, it's not for everybody. Some people have told me that they felt uh, they tried to work remotely, but the buzz of the office was a miss. It is something that really drove them. It's something that they're really, really looking forward to. So some people managed to mitigate that by joining a local co-working space and finding those colleagues that don't exactly work for the same company, but are still there. But others felt like they were more energized working in office. They were more energized just seeing people in this campus-like mentality. And having worked um, in at Google myself, I still chat with folks that are very happy to get three free meals a day. They're very happy to get, uh, you know, this great office environment and they wouldn't change it for the world. So what I'd say is that I believe it's part of the future. I hear it's not a future for everybody because mm-hmm. at times it can get taxing to be by yourself. I feel it, it takes a certain temper or at least a certain acceptance that you'll have to drive yourself. And the same way as some people are very happy to work freelance and others won't hear about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's yep. something you may want to try and then see whether it's a good fit for yourself. Yeah, good point. Yeah, really agree. That, that you, I think we, we may have touched on it earlier, but that whole kind of being self-driven, self-motivated. Yes, you know, we, we've talked about performance management and, you know, checking in and all that sort of stuff. But when you're remote, you know, you are, you are very much um, left to your own devices to a certain extent. And, you know, you need, you, you're accountable to yourself in terms of your time. There's no kind of person watching over you, making sure that you, you know, you're in the office at, at nine and you don't leave before whenever, and you only take you know thirty minutes or an hour for lunch. You know, you you've got that uh, that responsibility to yourself to make sure that you're giving enough, doing enough, while not at the same time you're know, risking sort of burning out or kind of overdoing it. Yeah, I'd like to add here that if the company doesn't agree with your view, then move to another company. I mean, it's fine that what you see as a perfect work environment and what your level of commitment should be isn't equal to the company you're working for, but that just means that you're not a good match. Right? Could be. Could be. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. And it's interesting because two of you have been working remotely for quite some time, and now we're getting an entire cohort of people that have been working successfully working remotely at startup for say five to 10 years and some of them are happy to take the next gig so it used to be in certain environment that most people that move remotely hadn't done before but now you've got experienced people Mm -hmm. and you've got large and small companies but if you see what's been happening in 2019 you've got automatic envision gitlab uh, that are and probably zapier soon that are nearing a billion dollar valuation or above so you've yeah. got a variety of companies that are hiring and we've even made a list of 2300 companies hiring remotely in 2019 on our site so certainly there are tons of companies that are looking for remote talent right now yeah 
Yeah, I, I, the the point you made about entire cohorts of, of remote workers it made me smile because uh, one of uh, one of the current members of my team, uh, hi Ronald, if you're listening, um, this is now the third place that we've worked together at. Um, <laughs> Sweet, yeah, all all remote uh, all remote gigs over the years, and uh, <laughs> I I think there's there's probably an article in me somewhere talking about the gravity of people. And, you know, I, I think it's something that's very obvious to those who, who've been in this, in this for a while, but the, the interactions you have with people, you know, as you, um, as you spend more time at work and as you have more experience, you know, those, those interactions, especially uh, with remote work, it's amazing how often those things come round time and time again. You know, you the the flexibility that remote working gives people means that in in many cases people do end up working uh, with each other. You know, a number of times from a number of different yeah. organisations that <laughs> would have been much more difficult in the in the sort of the physical world. That's true. That's true. You really form a lifelong friendship there. So. I, I need to ask, uh, how many jobs can he follow you before it becomes stalking? Uh, and he's, wel- he's welcome to follow me anywhere. Uh, I'm, I'm jealous now. <laughs> so I think we've covered quite a nice um, breadth of different uh, different areas, both from the employer uh, and and the employee perspective, but what what else is there anything that we've missed regarding remote working is there anything that uh, we forgot to talk about hmm. that's a good one we've covered quite a bit of ground let me think i think well the last thing i'd like to add on this one is that um when you think about someone going remote it really unlocks a lot of possibilities and and i'm thinking here about folks living in cities that are willing mm. to change cities or states or 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 villages altogether and one thing I've been witnessing over and over again are folks who have been very happily working medium to large tech companies within cities. And then they decided they wanted to have a yard or a kids or extra rooms. And they managed to keep the same level of income, to keep the same level of ambition, but getting to do it from someplace else. And when we think about what's happening with the environment and cities that are growing and being a little bit flooded. I feel like now you're going to get the option and saying, I don't necessarily have to sacrifice where I live in order to do what I love. And I feel that a huge shift and it's going to be discussed more and more and more because you don't have to be in central London at all time for that job anymore. So I feel very excited by that. And I feel like it's a huge migration happening. I keep my eyes peeled on uh, you know, former Google colleagues looking at new jobs. And I do feel like it's great to raise money in Silicon Valley. It's great to be a high growing startup with billion dollar valuation. But today, if you're ambitious and serious tech professionals, you can totally have a great career living wherever you feel most comfortable. And that's going to be with all the upcoming talents uh, being trained in every single country. That's going to be a huge game changer for the tech industry in the next five to 10 years. I think that's an amazing point. I think I am possibly one of the poster children for that. <laughs> I, 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 I live in 
rural Herefordshire um, in the middle of nowhere. The only downside is my internet connection is not <laughs> too great, but that is in the process of uh, fibre being laid to the property as I speak. But the the flexibility that it gives me, I mean, I, I love living out of, uh, you know, or almost as far from civilization as you can get in the UK. <laughs> but it's, you know, I'm still, I still feel like I'm in the heart of, of, of this, this, this technology, the heart of this world. And, you know, I'm actively contributing and collaborating with some of the smartest people I've ever worked with. And I, I, I think it's, I think it's an amazing time to be a remote employee. And I think that, organizations that are going down this path or thinking about going down this path like there's no there's no silver bullet here there's a lot of um there's a lot of complexity there's a lot of things that you need to think about to make sure that you're really prepared for this both on the employer and the employee side but i think the pros definitely outweigh the cons and uh you know i look forward to it becoming even more common common and for that, uh, you know, two thousand plus number of companies to to become twenty thousand companies on your site. That sounds great. Absolutely. So now, we there we is, do have one yeah, trick question. This for question you. needs to be um, answered, and we want a real, direct, <laughs> precise answer from you. <laughs> and Let's do it. And the question is: What's the one video conferencing technology that actually works? <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one uh you know for my money i'm team zoom right now so that's God. that's that's where i'm at that's where i'm at but uh it's uh, not it's not ideal it's just it has just worked for mobile which has been a game changer for me taking that from f yeah. with 4g as a backup when that coffee shop just drops on you or where, where you're traveling. So yeah. Zoom has saved me a few times, but I used to sell Google Hangout for a living working at Google. So mm -hmm. I feel like we came a long way <laughs> from this 2010 era of attempting to connect to uh, video calls. But would you say we're there or is there still some improvements hopefully happening in the future? Uh, on Google Hangout in particular? No, in, in general, on video conferencing technology. In general, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a tricky one. <laughs> it all needs to go to I VR. It's, it's probably a more difficult problem to solve than world peace, actually. Video <laughs> technology that actually works. Uh, although, said before, perhaps if we had the video conferencing, that would lead to world peace, maybe? I don't know. That's, that's an interesting okay. discussion for another episode, maybe. Um <laughs> But uh, so, Rudolf, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, you you sort of came to my attention through the sort of the community site that you've you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, Remotive.io. But tell us tell us a little bit about Remotive. Uh, why why you started it? Uh, what it means to you? And and you know why people should uh, should go and take a look. Yeah, for sure. So I became a remote worker about six years ago. And uh, I absolutely loved it, just like you guys. So friends starting to ask me, how do I find companies that are hiring remotely? And how do I find really cool jobs? I'm talking jobs where I can project myself for the next three to five years at a time. So that's why I created Remotive.io, to have a place where I could share my tips and tricks on remote work, but also list uh, job listings from companies we love 
everything we've been doing from the start has been manual curation. So every single job you see, we pick them by hand and we put them front and center to help remote companies hire and to help tech employees land remote jobs. And on the back of that, we built two fun communities, one for employers, which is a Slack community. You can think of it like a virtual co-working space. You've got folks from every single country logging in, networking, and giving feedback to each other. And more recently, and that's part of the conversation we've had today, I created a discourse that's private and paid for, Mm -hmm. for remote leaders, where we discuss how it feels to be a manager, a leader, a creator of remote companies, and how it feels to take it from stage A to B to C. In other words, how do we find our peers and how do we exchange notes on how it feels to be remote? So that's new, but that's been taking off and that's a very exciting side as well. So summing it up, I help tech professionals land remote jobs and I help tech startup find talent through listing their jobs on my job board and listing advice on my communities. Great. How do people get in touch with you if they want to join that Discord channel? Yeah, so it's on remotive.io. That's where you get most information about the project. And if you have any question, my email is Rodolph, that's my first name, at remotive.io. If you're okay with it, I'll put it as an image graphic in the show notes so you don't get too much spam. (laughs) Image graphic is awesome. But uh, I love, I started as a newsletter uh, and I, I love answering emails and I've been here to help for five years. And the goal is to be here to help us at least five to 10 to 15. So we're here for the long run. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, I'd really like to, to thank you for your time, uh, Rudolf. It's been, it's been great talking to you. Um, I wish you uh, plenty of success with Remotive.io. And uh, let's, let's, let's all hope for another 5, 10, 15 years of, of successful, happy remote working for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I was, and our listeners. Uh, I was a bit skeptical when Dave came with this subject, but it's been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it very much. Thanks a lot. Sounds good. Thanks so much as well. It's been very, very cool. And we're back with a final, well, for now, thank you to Rodolfo for all of his wisdom he shared in the last three episodes on remote working, the way of the future. Would you say this was some interesting stuff, Dave? I would, I would. I had a really, I really enjoyed the conversation that we mm-hmm. had with uh, with Rodolf, and uh, I think it was a great, a great overview of remote working, both from the employer's perspective and from the employee's perspective. So, I yeah, I really enjoyed the discussion. Thanks so much to uh, Rodolf for, for giving up so much time, and uh, yeah, I hope our audience enjoys it. Yeah, I know. I, I I enjoyed it because during the conversation with Rodolfi, yeah, I kind of yeah, we kind of have to think about the subject matter at hand, let's say. And uh, I've also discovered some things that I myself hadn't really thought through and things and stuff like that. So, yeah, hopefully our audience also get something out of it. So with that, unless there's anything else from you, nothing else from me. Then that is definitely all the time here for today and this year. You can support this podcast by becoming a patron. Every contribution helps. We are on YouTube. Like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, do the YouTube stuff, make Dave happy. Also, you can go to www.roaringoffin.org. You can find a link to the Patreon page and more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the attitudecast tag and you can send your emails, by uh, your feedback by email. I was going to say to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is John. And my name is Dave. 
and we look forward to talking to you next year. Goodbye. Happy New Year.